Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome back to New Books in African American Studies, a channel on the New Books Network. I am your host, Adam McNeil, doctoral student in history at the University of Delaware. Today, I have the distinguished opportunity to discuss a book authored and edited by our friends at the University Press of Kentucky entitled An Unseen Light, Black Struggles for Freedom in Memphis, Tennessee. And this is edited by Drs. Aram Gatsuzian and Charles W. McKinney. And Dr. Gatsuzian is professor and chair of the Department of History, <clears throat> excuse me, at the University of Memphis. And also Dr. McKinney is the Neville Frierson Bryan Chair of Africana Studies and Associate Professor of History at Rhodes College. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How are y'all doing today? Hi, Adam. It's great to be here. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Great, great, great. And so before we get into an unseen light, can y'all talk to us about um, kind of how the process was to bring this volume together? Uh, Sure, absolutely. I'll start. Uh, Charles and I both arrived in Memphis uh, during the 2004-2005 school year. That's when we're both starting our jobs at our respective institutions. Uh, And neither of us came with any particular expertise in the history of Memphis. Uh, We both studied African-American history in various guises, and we were working on book projects. At the time, I was writing a book about uh, basketball player Bill Russell, uh, and Chuck was working on uh, his work in North Carolina and grassroots organizing. Um, but I think we learned, we both learned a lot from the people who are around us here, uh, our colleagues in our departments of history, um, you know, just as, as like, like anyone else, you know, you sort of try to immerse yourself in the history of a place, the longer you're there. Um, and for me, I would say a big driving force behind this project was years of work, working with uh, graduate students, because I had graduate students coming to work in African-American history, to work in Southern history. Uh, and taking graduate seminars with me, and then they were pursuing projects in Memphis because they'd come to Memphis, and this was a, a place with a, a rich base of sources, untold stories, um, and that's I was really driven by my students to learn more about Memphis. So I would just um, I would just echo that sentiment when I got here, um, two thousand four, two thousand five. One of my colleagues, uh, Timothy Hubner, in the history department here at Rhodes, said to me that. Um, he made a statement that I'll, that I'll never forget. And he said, Memphis is the most under-researched major city in the country. And at the time, uh, I didn't really know what to do with that. Um, I was working, as Aram said, I was working on finishing my first book on grassroots organizing in North Carolina. So I wasn't really focused on on, on, Memphis, on, on Memphis history. And so um, when I did start to focus on Memphis history and started working with several of the undergraduates here um, on honors papers and, you know, papers for seminars and things like that. Um, kind of like with Aram as well. I mean, I had undergrads digging into the history of Memphis and there, and we discovered, I discovered rapidly that there are countless untold stories, um, narratives, um, histories, archives to be built. Um, there's just all kinds of stuff that we do not know about Memphis. And so, 
um, I, I think it was uh, Aram. I think it was you who sort of pitched the idea um, way back in you know oh, that uh, that first year or so that we were here, oh five, oh six, that we should do um, an edited volume on uh, on on Memphis history, on the Black freedom struggle in in Memphis, and we both said yes, and then proceeded not to do anything um, <laughs> for. Uh, for the next uh, for the next thirteen years, and so um, but uh, we got but fortunately we got our act together and um and uh you know got some got some folks to uh to join us on this ride to um you know partic- participate in unseen light. Uh, one thing that was really a um uh, important factor in helping to get the book done was that you know most of the contributors to the volume are people who we are close with in one way or another. They're people who uh, were either my graduate students or undergraduates with Charles or our colleagues, uh, people who we teach with, uh, because these are the same people who were curious about about the history of Memphis, curious about the, the African-American uh, contribution to the city and, and how it sort of filters through just about every aspect of the city's culture and politics. Um, and with all those people sort of on board, it became a it, this became a project that was really driven by. Uh, sort of a, a community of scholars in, in the best sense of the word. Uh, like we, we were already a literal community. And and I was able to uh, really feel that community in, uh, in so many different ways because I've, you know, been to the University of Memphis, uh, I think twice now um, for the annual uh, Graduate Association for African-American History Conference um, in the, in the, not this year, but in the last two uh, prior and you know as you know you have uh dr darius young you know what's up dr young uh, my my former uh professor at uh at fam at florida and m university down in tallahassee where you know as y'all know you know university of memphis trained so many uh famu um uh, historians um it, it provides them opportunities for for uh, phds and so along with dr young being uh dr uh, uh Kinchin as well um, as contributors. And so, you know, that Memphis community is, is one that I know very, very well. Um, and is also why um, I was glad to have to have seen uh, uh, you all in various conferences. And Dr. McKinney finally got to meet you um, at, at, uh, at Asala and uh, had a great conversation. And that's why I knew I was like, man, I got to get these gentlemen on on the program to talk about this phenomenal book. Um because as, as you said, Dr. McKinney, uh, Memphis is one of those interesting places where, you know, uh, it's it's I can see where it, it would be, you know, the most understudied uh, urban area really in the nation. Um, and it's another reason why this book is, you know, said a volume is so important. Yeah, I think one part of that is coming out of you know, the civil rights struggle and the way that uh, the city got portrayed, right? Uh, you know, in the national narrative, right? Of course, Memphis, everything, the, Memphis enters the narrative in 1968, right? And it's this tragic place where Dr. King got shot. And then the story quickly departs Memphis again, right? Um, it wasn't. Uh, it didn't have the reputation of a Birmingham or a Mississippi Delta as the sort of hotbed of racial repression, uh, nor was it sort of considered the enlightened South in the in the sense of a Nashville or a uh, Greensboro or what have you. Um, so Memphis kind of gets slipped slipped through the cracks a little bit, I think, in terms of how historians tell the story. And you know that that and that and that idea. Um... Right is is baked into uh, is baked into the the premise of the book, right? You know, an unseen light. Um, that's a line from um, that's a line from uh, Richard Wright in in Black Boy, 
um, where he talks about how he wanted to leave Memphis once he um, initially got here and he wanted to go south. Excuse me, he wanted to go north. He wanted to go to Chicago um, and, uh, and, 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 and look for, right, a tinge of warmth from an unseen light. And so, you know, so our conceit, the premise of this book is that had Wright stayed in Memphis, um, he would have seen some unseen lights, right? He would have um, he would have been exposed at some point to um, black folks struggling to get free, black folks struggling for greater freedom and, and equality, right? And so, um, and so, using that as a as a jumping off point, um, we wanted to really build sort of a counter narrative to the 1968 story, right? You know, King's assassination in Memphis. That's the portion of the uh, of the Memphis civil rights story that literally blocks out the sun, right? You know, that's the that's the starting point for so many um, for so many stories, right? And so, a critical mass of the work that's been done on Memphis um, centers uh, King in 1968, and that's not to say that this that moment is not important. That moment is extremely important for a number of reasons, but. That's why we thought it was so vital that this book started not in 1968, but in 1868, right? This book should start in the dawn of freedom um, because it's at that moment where we start to see Black folk coming together in a variety of, of, of brilliant uh, and insightful ways trying to figure out how to gain greater freedom. And so, um, so that, was the other, that was the other sort of mission of this book was to shed to shed some light on um, on this century plus long struggle for freedom in the Bluff City. And as well um, with that, because, you know, I, I'm as someone who's, you know, historical grounding is more so in the 19th century. Um, I, I was glad that you did ground it there um, t- because when typically when I thought about, uh, uh, you know, uh, Memphis, you know, I think of, you know, the um, the the 18 was it the 1866 uh, uh, Memphis. Uh, 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 I, they call it a race, right? I, I suppose uh, the Memphis massacre rather. Thank you. Um, Right, right. Um, and so I, I think about the Memphis massacre, and I think about you know decade a little bit later with um, Ida B. Wells and and then going into Thomas Moss. But it's it, but for me, I'm, I'm I enjoyed you know getting the grounding in the in the history and the in the peculiarity really of of Memphis in you know this you know reconstruction uh, postbellum uh, time frame because you see so many. Uh, you, you you see an, you see a southern urban area, which for many people who may be listening to to us right now, you know, at least in this time frame, um, you know, in urban South might not even be something that they can even fathom uh, what was even there. And you know, like we, we mentioned toward the beginning, uh, you know, race r- sort of runs through every aspect of, of Memphis's history, of Memphis's culture, of Memphis's politics, and you see that in the nineteenth century too, right? I mean, Memphis grows. Because it is the center of the cotton trade, and, and that is intricately related, obviously, to the institution of slavery. Um, it's the African American population is sort of at the center of these of these defining instances in post Civil War uh, Memphis, right? In terms of the Memphis Massacre of eighteen sixty six, when it's particularly the Irish population uh, attacks uh, uh, in, uh, the African American neighborhoods, and then sort of this competition over resources. Uh, after the Yellow Fever epidemic here in the eighteen seventies. Uh, it's African Americans who stay for the most part, and African Americans who keep the city moving and, and surviving. Um, 
so it's you know it's this essential thread, and that continues, of course, as you mentioned, with Ida B. Wells in the 1890s and her work, and uh, um, and really the foundation of her activism comes out of Memphis. And as well, um, can you you know grounding you know in in this particular time frame, can you talk to us a bit about um, because I know it's 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 fairly um, chronological here, but can you talk to us about uh, because obviously this is not a single author text. Can you can you talk to us a bit about kind of like the organization of the text, but and also um, about the, uh, the the particular folks that you have involved in this as well? Uh, because you know it's it's it always fascinates me um, how edited volumes come together, um, and, and and because I've I've really always been fascinated about that. And also why, to a certain degree, kind of like reading them better <laughs> a lot as well. Well, I think that, you know, the, the, the first thing that I think about, that's a great question. The first thing that I think about was, you know, when it came when it came time for us to think about um, people who we wanted to join, um, who, who, want, who we wanted to ask to recruit to, to do this, um, I think it's a testament to the fact that um, our, our colleagues and our students uh, former students, their work and research spanned a range, right? Um, when it came to thinking about thinking about this book, and so um, you know, with Darius Young's work on L. Person, persons, um, and Elton's work, Elton Weber's work on um, on on Kojic, right? Beverly um, uh, Beverly Bond, um, Aram's uh, colleague over the University of Memphis, right? She she does nineteenth century, but also early twentieth century stuff, and so when we started laying out the names of people that we wanted to um, contribute to the volume, um, that list, you know, the, the, from the very jump, right, that list was um, a list of folks who were interested in the, 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 the long civil rights movement, if you will, right? Those were folks who were writing and thinking um, about black freedom in Memphis beginning in the 19th century, right? And so, um, so I, I know for, I know at least for me, and I, I'm curious to, you know, I'm sure Aram's got some thoughts on this too, but that's when it really clicked for me in terms of, you know, the necessity of this volume spanning the range that it did. Because the other, the other issue here too, was not wanting to, you know, sort of to succumb to the slippery, to the slippery, um, the slippery thinking of, you know, of a movement starting in a particular moment, right? You know, we were fixated, we've been fixated in Memphis on the 1968 moment. So what we did not, one of the things we did not want to do was to, to replace the 1968 moment with another sort of single moment, right? Or another series of, 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 single, of, of single moments, right? We refer to those as flashpoints in the end of, at the end of our volume. And so again, I think, um, you know, the, the, our list of contributors really helped to push us to think really broadly about, um, about the scope of the work. Yeah, I would echo what Chuck said in the sense that we didn't go into it saying we want to cover these topics. Our first question that we asked each other was, who do we want to contribute to the volume? And so the uh, the topics and, and the breadth of the volume came organically as a result of that. Um, because if you ask Beverly Bond, if you ask Brian Page, if you ask Elton Weaver to contribute essays, then you know you're going to you're going to have material that is that is going to ground. Uh, the movement in, in an earlier in an earlier stage and, and give you and give you a good sense of that. By the same token, if you ask Andrea Robinson, who's primarily training in sociology and she does ethnography, but with a historical bent uh, to contribute a volume, you know that she's going to think about the contemporary moment and how it connects to the past in very direct ways. 
uh, and how we think about the past, how we remember the past, how we structure the past. Um, so really, it was it was a question of you know the structure of the book and the and the format of the book really worked out organically from our colleagues and from the larger nature of the field and the way that historians have really tried to think about black freedom beyond the narrow confines of the 50s and 60s. And it's very interesting, too, because um, when I when I think about this volume, I think about um, y'all had mentioned how you wanted to um, add, you know, to, you know, there's there's more to Memphis than the sanitation strike of 1968, right? And 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 so you know, did you also think about um, this being kind of like a a field sh- uh, shifting uh, a, a book? Um, because I always think about uh, historical legacies, like in the American Revolution, uh, John Adams is and and his colleagues, some of them are compiling records. Um, because they feel like th- something is happening, right? So, so they they have a historical understanding of what's happening as they live. Um, and so, to bring it to y'all, you know, di- was that you know kind of you know trying to trying to shape the field of maybe Memphis studies? I know that there's an Atlanta studies, like a Memphis studies or a um, just an overall Southern history change as well. Because obviously, Memphis is not an isolated city; it's it's connected through. You know the Mississippi, you know through uh, the Mississippi River and and the various uh, uh, um, you know economic um, uh, connections as well. I would say that we were very conscious in terms of the timing of the book. Like Chuck mentioned, the idea for this book we, we mentioned years and years and years ago, and then proceeded to ignore it. Uh, <laughs> yep. But as we got closer to 2018. It was the 50th anniversary of the King assassination. It's called MLK 50. You know, uh, there was, you know, so many figures of political significance were coming to Memphis. The national media was coming here. And we wanted our book out by then just simply to be part of that political conversation. You know, obviously we knew it wasn't going to be, you know, the, the main story of what was going on then. But we wanted by the time of MLK 50 for there to be this kind of volume out there that suggests the broader context for our black freedom movement that, that doesn't simply center it around King. And, as, and that's as much as we come to King with a you know, incredible understanding of his centrality, of his importance. Uh, I think Chuck had just taught a course on King that very semester. Uh, so, uh, but, we, but we definitely wanted to think about the larger idea of, of, of Memphis as a city um, and its grassroots struggle over the long term in that particular moment of MLK 50 as well. And the other thing I think, um, you know, yes to all of that. And the other thing too, right, gets back to um, the under-researched nature of, of, of Memphis, right? I mean, you know, when you are um, in dialogue with, uh, with, an, with an academic press or any press for that matter, um, they ask you what the competition is, right? You know, what are the other books in print now that do something similar to what you're proposing to do? Right. And that was the easiest answer. That was the easiest question to answer on the survey. Right. Because there's literally no other book um, about Memphis that was proposing to do what we were trying to do. Right. Um, Or if there was, we didn't you know, we couldn't we couldn't find it. So, again, you know, that speaks to the to the under researched nature of 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 this endeavor. And, you know, when people. You know, when Aram and I have, uh, when we were having uh, public forums and, uh, and and we would give presentations about about this book, um, you know, invariably people will ask you questions about, well, why didn't you do 
you know, why didn't you do X or why isn't Y in the book or how come you didn't talk about Z? And my answer to those questions were, were generally, well, each of those areas that have been mentioned, that's another book, right? Um, you know, uh, for all of the, for all of the press that Ida B. Wells has gotten, um, I don't think there's five biographies of Ida Wells out yet. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, um, uh, and, you know, and, and go on down, you know, on down the line, on down the line. Right. So, you know, are there any books on Memphis in the 1930s? If there are, there's probably fewer than five. Right. You know, Black Memphis during World War Two. Right. You know, and so going on down the line, there are so many stories to be told. There's so much history to be excavated here in, in Memphis, um, which, again, fed into our inclination to want to do an edited volume. So that we could we could pack as many of these Memphis stories as possible in one volume, um, and again, um, hopefully point the way towards um, the necessity of continued research in all of the areas that get opened up in uh, in an unseen light. And one thing we're we're upfront about from the beginning is this is not a comprehensive history of the city of Memphis. This is not a textbook. This is not a narrative history which where in which we try to touch on everything. Um, more it was, let's go to these historians, let's go to these scholars who have stories to tell and tell these you know representative stories, stories that really can represent a key idea, a key theme in the history of Memphis, in particular in, in terms of its African-American history. And then let that play out, right? Uh, as, as Chuck suggests, you know, let that be a starting point for a broader discussion. Um, Otherwise, you're writing an entire, you know, it's an entirely different project to try to include, to create a more, more comprehensive history. That's that, that's a history that still needs to be written. Absolutely. Y'all hear that out there, Memphis historians. Y'all, y'all got your call. Y'all got your call. Go write that history. Um, <laughs> yep. And so um, another question I have for y'all was um, while writing your own uh, contributions for the volume and also while um, reading the, the various historians uh, work that, that's in here as well. Were there anything was there anything that surprised you um, while, while, you know, in your personal research process um, in, in, in looking at, you know, either archives you had not worked in before or ones that you had uh probably looked through a number of times, but then also while reading the, the various uh, um, contributions from from those in the volume. Hmm. I'd say, you know, my own piece came out of a book that I'd written on the Meredith March. So this, I was actually shrinking uh, from the book and, and taking all these little scattered pieces I had and then adding a little bit of new research. So it wasn't necessarily something new for me, but it was definitely trying to analyze this march, which I had you know, written about and poured over uh, for years, but looking at it from a different angle, just asking the question about what did it mean for Memphis. So that was an interesting intellectual question for me to think about and to and to consider uh, to be able to focus more on how this you know moment of a couple of weeks in in the history of Memphis reflected larger patterns of black organizing. What is suggested going forward toward the sanitation strike a few years after that. Um, so I wouldn't say that there was necessarily surprise in my own research, but certainly as you're reading the you know the essays of all uh, of all the contributors, uh, I was and these are people who you know I knew most of their work already. Uh, but you know I'd read Country Soul by Charles Hughes, of course, but I'm reading his essay on Rufus Thomas which is just really highlighting these oral histories with Rufus Thomas and the way that he thought about uh, his place in Memphis and, and his 
uh, gripes with the with the racial culture in Memphis and, and his history of organizing and his family's history of organizing. His wife was central to the local NAACP chapter. It's just absolutely illuminating. Or Beverly Bond's work on, on this man named L.O. Taylor, who I'd never really heard of before. He was a, a, not only a minister, but a photographer, or, you know, a, a just an incredible photographer, uh, and a chronicler of black life in Memphis in the 1930s. And here's the guy who wasn't a political activist. Uh, some would have called him an accommodationist among, you know, part of that political structure in Memphis in the 1930s. But he has this sort of subtle way of showing black humanity in, in his sermons, in his photography. It's just really striking. Um, and there's elements of that in every essay uh, from, from all of our contributors. This is, you know, some of these are growing out of dissertations that I supervise, and I was still finding new details, new ideas uh, that, I, that I wasn't aware of. So th- that was really enriching to see just the work of your colleagues um, and how it sort of flowers over time. Yeah, I, I learned so much in every single one of these essays. And it was a little humbling, actually. I was like, man, I, I should have known that, <laughs> right? Um, reading, reading, through, um, reading through every single one of these essays. Um, and I was ready for that, right? You know, having having um, interacted with and, 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 and having taught a number of, uh, you know, a few of the folks in here, um, having a few of these folks as colleagues and having a number of these folks as um, Aram's former students, I knew I was prepared. Right? I knew I was getting into, right? I knew I was going to learn, um, learn a lot about um, the nature of uh, the nature of the black, of, of black freedom struggles here, um, here in Memphis. And so, you know, from my perspective, you know that these struggles are going on. You know that they do take some some type of shape, right? You understand, you know, in general, the the intellectual infrastructure of of, of protest, right? And you understand the ways in which Black folk are trying to build, you know, build worlds for themselves, right? Um, but then to see the particularities that um, that each and every one of the uh, of of our um, of our contributors of our contributors um, to see those particularities uh, come to light. Uh, it was really uh, it was really a humbling a humbling process. I just wrote the coda, right? I just wrote the conclusion, right? So my job was to sort of sum up um, to sum up uh, where we had been, and you know, and, and talk just a little bit about um, about the contemporary moment, and and that was um, that was an easy burden. Because um, because these chapters laid out some really you know big uh, big breadcrumbs for me to to talk about how um, Memphis in 2015 Memphis in 2016 um, is you know um, we saw some actions and activities here related to um, you know the police killing of, of of Darius Stewart related to the fight for 15 related to you know a resurgent. Um, a resurgent union um, union activity, you know, United Campus Workers and and all of that great stuff. We're in this moment, and this moment we can trace back to previous moments, right? In addition to 1968, we need to look at 1948. We need to look at 1938. We need to look at 1908, right? We need to look at 1868. And so, um, so yeah, so my my job was to simply remind people that. Um, that this moment, the contemporary moment, the moment in which we are living now, um, has some antecedents, right? We've been here before in some profound ways. There are some very, there are some stark differences between now and the past, obviously, but um, but there's more places for us to look for guidance. Um, there are more places to look than simply 
March and April of 1968, right? There are, um, there are a, you know, there's, there's a, there's a wide, there's a wide array of individuals and organizations that so many of us are just now finding out about that have moved us forward when it comes to the pursuit of greater freedom. And so, um, so again, uh, my, my, my contribution was, was easy to do because, um, I, I was standing on the shoulders of, of these world-class homies who would put these chapters together. Hey, hey, world-class indeed, world-class indeed. And uh, personally, like I, you know, I, I had, uh, interviewed uh, Dr. Hughes for, for, uh, for his, uh, for his book. Um, and, and I'd learned so much and, um, you know, and, and really reading every single one is, like I said, I'm not a, uh, I, I was trained by Memphis historians, but I am not a historian of Memphis. Um, I learned so much. And, and I think that what our listeners are going to do when they buy this phenomenal book, once again, in unseen light, Black Struggles for Freedom in Memphis, Tennessee, edited by the phenomenal doctors, Aram Goodsusian and Charles W. McKinney Jr., that y'all are going to learn so much about um, more than Dr. King in 1968. Um, you know, he he obviously is important, but he is not the only one. And and really, you know, the understanding of, of really how, like, I think Memphis is so important to our understanding of, of ourselves because, you know, especially when you talk about music, right. Um, it, right. Uh, the, the James Baldwin, uh, uh, uh book is tr- being turned into, into a movie of, of Bill street could talk, you know, that, you know, so, so, so I think that, you know, Memphis in the imagination of the nation, I think is so important. And it's also why I think, um, in you know we're we're in 2018 now and um i actually was about to ask you dr mckinney uh, about you know the your your this book and its relevancy for our particular moment uh but also can you can y'all speak to on i guess on a on a similar but little uh different way um how does you know can, can you talk about how in as a teaching tool how can you how do you think that you know you know, if you're a high school teacher that's listening to this, you know, how do you think that teachers can really incorporate um, this? Because obviously, you know, like you said, Dr. Goodsusian, that this is not a textbook. But what I noticed, I, in a lot of my upper level high school history classes, we didn't really have textbooks. We actually read uh, actual books. And I think, you know, that there, there might be, I think there would be some great uh, ways to ap- apply this work. Um, and I, and I want to know whether or not you all had um, thought, thought about, you know, ways that, you know, high school and, and other teachers can incorporate this work. Because I think it, it would be useful. I can speak just to my own experience as, as a teacher, and I think Charles would say the same thing, is that we each have taught courses on Memphis and on its uh, black freedom struggle. And the students respond to it in really powerful ways. Uh, in the way that one of them put it, you know, these are the people, these are my neighbors, right? And they were talking not just about the activists, but about the people who resisted them. Uh, uh, the, you know, th- this is a very intense personal history, and the class meant a lot to them on a personal level and really helped them to sort of visualize a lot, you know, what, what a freedom struggle might look like because – you know, they knew that church. They knew that uh, that institution that was being. They've been to that library that was desegregated. They knew, they had been to a meeting where Maxine Smith, the head of the local NAACP, had spoken. You know that. So this was, you know, it really connected to their personal lives. And so I think there's a lot to be said for using local history to to illuminate larger the, the issues that you learn, whether it's a college classroom, whether it's a high school classroom, whether it's an elementary school classroom, for that matter, right? To make to make people understand that history is is personal and 
and tangible in that way. And I think the other thing, the other advantage of an edited volume is the fact that you can use it in sort of digestible chunks, right? So um, social studies teachers, um, history teachers, um, you know, government teachers, right? If you're, if you're thinking about, you know, particularly for teachers here in Memphis, right? Shelby County schools and, 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 you know, and, and, and private school and charter school teachers, if you're thinking about ways to teach about Memphis, Right. Here's an opportunity either for your students to read some top shelf history. Right. Here's 30 pages of. Right. You know, if we're thinking about, you know, if we're thinking about the period um, at the dawn of the 20th century and we're thinking about, you know, how African-Americans are are organizing themselves politically here, students read Brian Page's in the hands of the Lord. Right. An, an essay that really gets at those questions and shows those dynamics um, on the ground in, you know, um, in, in some really substantive ways. And so, so that's the upside of an edited volume, right? Is, you know, if you are talking about, um, um, if you're talking about women, if you're thinking, thinking about gender, if you're thinking about economics, if you're thinking about, um, the struggle for freedom, if you're thinking about, um, how systems and structures operate, there's something in here for you, right? So you can either, um, assign, uh, so teachers, can either assign chapters in here, or as we told um, John Best um, a little while ago, um, who works for, um, does a radio show here for um, for Shelby County Schools. Um, so that's one option, right? The other option is for teachers who are trying to think about how to teach Memphis, right? This book can be a resource for them, for them to read it, right? Um, and then figure out how to apply what they've learned to the curriculum that they have to convey to their students. So, so there's two ways to, to, to sort of go about using this, using this material as I see it. And I think it's important because, um, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I never, I realized as I was compiling the question to, to y'all, I've never actually in my, in my full year and a month of interviewing folks with new books in African-American studies, I've never actually asked that question uh, yet. You know, I'm glad that I did it with this one because I, I, I really think that volumes like this uh, because they're so, you know, chronologically uh, uh, vast and, and that it, it covers so many different areas, like your your final uh, uh, chapter uh, before you, the coda, right? Black Workers Matter, the continuing search for racial and economic equality in Memphis, right? The word matter does not mean the same in 2011 that it does now, right? So if y'all, you know, if, if obviously you wouldn't have done it in, uh, bless you, um, you obviously you wouldn't have done it in 2008, but if you would have done a book similar, uh, at a volume similar to this, right? That word matter just does not have, the, you know, the same meaning. So things can change so quickly. Um, but it's also important to, um, I think as well, find, you know, so many uses for our work, um, especially in light of, uh, of, of the constant calls that, you know, oh, you historians in your ivory tower, you don't talk to anybody else but yourselves, which I think is a whole bunch of hogwash, which uh, there's a, you know, the whole Chronicle piece, which you know, we, that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> to talk about that. Um, yeah, yeah, most definitely. About- um one of the striking Dr. things Dr. about the reaction to this. Oh, sorry. One of the striking things about the reaction to this book for me 
has been the ways that, you know, sort of the young activist community here in Memphis, people in their 20s and their 30s. Uh, and that could be people who are in formal politics. That could be people who are working with grassroots organizations. But but they're gravitating to this book. They're thanking us for this book. And, and in some ways, that's because of Chuck's uh, direct connections to them. But this is a book where they're saying, this is, this is exactly what I've been looking for, right? They're looking for sort of blueprints and historical examples and, and ways to connect themselves to a larger uh, to a larger history. Um, so for them, they, they're seeing direct connections between what they do uh, and and what went on in the past. And that's, you know, in a lot of ways, Chuck's Coda is, is really the perfect vehicle through which to do that. Yeah, and 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 you're so right because I, you know, I, I remember um, listening to to some activists speak one time, and um, so some older ones, and how you know when they were you know active in you know the late '50s and '60s, how you know there were like reading clubs, and there were you know ways like yeah, you were activists, but you were also you know grounded in the history of the communities at which you serve. And so, um, you know, this uh, uh, volume in Unseen Light, I definitely say, uh, like you said uh, greatly, uh, Dr. Gutsuzian, is such a phenomenal way to incorporate these uh, various histories. And so um, in in the short time that we have left with y'all, um, I always like to have one you know, I always like to have, you know, the the hard hitters and in, in such, quote unquote. But I also like having, you know, more of like imaginative questions. You know, it, who in, in the whole scope of Memphis history, right? If you could have, right? And, and it's okay if you take a, a little time to, to, to answer this. But um, if you had the opportunity to have a five-course dinner with two people each at the dinner table in the entirety of Memphis history, Right. From, you know, I guess 1866 on to the present. And you were able to have a five course dinner, anybody dead or alive. Who would they be and why? Can I say one of them is Charles W. McKinney Jr.? That works. That works. You know, Ida Wells must be a fascinating person to to sit down with, right? Such a such a seminal figure in in Memphis's history and in the nation's history. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you know, for me, you know, just thinking about the more contemporary moment, I'd be so interested to sit down with uh, with a Rufus Thomas or with an Isaac Hayes or or some of the giants from the Soul era. Howlin' Wolf or something like that uh, from the 1950s, just thinking about the music scene. But if you're thinking about politics, a, a Maxine Smith or a Benjamin Hooks, right? These sort of titanic figures in, in Memphis history. Those are all people I throw out there. I don't know, Chuck, you got better ideas than me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't. You took all the, you took all the good ones. Um, you, know, you know, Ida Wells, Ida Wells is certainly on the top of my, on the on the top of my list, I would add probably um, Nat Williams, who was a longtime um, um, history teacher and, and, and DJ and community advocate here in here in um, in Memphis. I would also add um, George Washington Lee, who was a, a politician um, and, and a rights activist, uh, an advocate for um, for equality. Um, he was uh, around from the 20s to the 70s here in Memphis. Um, I'm doing some work on him now. I think he would be a fascinating character to to sit down with. And so, yeah, there's there's a there's a list, and that list has grown for me has grown exponentially in the wake of this book. Um, you know, I could flip through each of these chapters literally and be like, oh man, I'd love to have a 
meal with him. I'd love to have a meal with her. Right. So um, there's a lot of fascinating characters um, here in Memphis. Most definitely, gentlemen. And so uh, the last question I ask you is, you know, with with this book, you know, obviously you say, you know, the initial idea for it was uh, 13 years ago and hopefully your next work won't be that long. And if it is that long, that's okay. I'll still be around to to interview for it. Uh, But can you talk to us about um, uh, some of the work that you're, that you're, uh, going to be that you're actively, you know, pursuing right now or that you have coming up. Uh, so I know some people are a little secretive. It's all right. But, you know, I, I, I like to be a little greedy and know when I can well, bring uh, both you gentlemen on uh, uh, next time. Uh, it's on the president. <laughs> it's uh, about the presidential election in 1968. Oh, well, so all right. Definitely a different path. It's just something I got, <laughs> got kind of interested in. I've never really done a book on sort of formal politics or high politics before. Uh, so it's a very different book it's a it's basically about elite white men uh who are all running for president it's sort of this character driven approach uh especially designed for a classroom something on modern american history or political history it'll be out in the spring it's called the men and the moment um the election of 1968 and the rise of partisan politics in america and i know it was you know it was driven by these questions of sort of how do we get to where we are today in, in our politics uh so that's that's my next project um and chuck as you mentioned is working on uh, george washington Lane. right so um, yeah, so um, I'm on sabbatical this year and um, got an opportunity to really drill down and, and get some work done on um, this lifelong Rep- African-American Republican operative, George Washington Lee, who, um, again, um, is knocking around in Memphis from the 1920s to the 1970s. He is purged from the Republican Party of Shelby County and Memphis and Shelby County in the early 1960s. Um, by um, by racial conservatives who who take over the who take over the party um, in a, a couple of years before the Barry Goldwater um, before the Barry Goldwater nomination and so once again um, I'm coming to understand Memphis as uh, a bit of a canary in the coal mine when it comes to uh, the conservative the conservative turn um, in Republican politics but also um, the African American turn in Democratic politics here. In Memphis, and so I'm trying to I'm trying to get to the bottom of uh, what's gained and what's lost in that transition, and using George Washington Lee as a as a lens through which to understand that moment. Hey, for both of you gentlemen, I am very excited for uh, for both projects. And um, hey, you know, you all have open, open, open invites to come back on to uh, New Books in African American Studies and the Greater New Books Network family. Dr. Gutsuzian, I think this is now your third time on the program uh, on, on New Books. So I know that you were here for, for Bill Russell and also for uh, your James Meredith book. So, you know, you're, 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 you're family, you know, now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> actually, you were, I think you were one of the first people who I actually listened to uh, uh, before I became an actual host. And so, you know, thank, thank you for bringing me to where okay. I am today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Dr. McKinney, you know, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a new venture, but hey man, I'm sure you're going to get real comfy on on the new books in African American Studies chair. You know, we 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 definitely love love having you on. And so, um, thank y'all so so much for for coming on the program and for taking time out of your very busy schedules, uh, one on sabbatical and the other right now department chair and right before thanksgiving and so um i really appreciate y'all for your time and thank y'all so much 
for for all the work that you do and also for helping to train some of my favorite people in the entire freaking world. Thanks so much for having us on. Really appreciate it. Good talk. Good to talk to you. Adam, we appreciate it. It's been, you know, ever since you came to the Graduate Association of African American History Conference, uh, which we encourage those grad students out there listening to to please come to Memphis. Well, every every fall we hold we hold an annual conference in African American history. We'd love to have you present. Uh, I think Adam will tell you it was a formative experience for him, and, and it is it's, yes. it's one of our favorite experiences. Very, very. At the University of Memphis. We'd love to have you come visit Memphis, like Adam did. And Adam, we we just want you to know how much we appreciate you having us on. Thank you. Thank you so much, folks. And so once again, everyone listening, we have had the esteemed opportunity to speak to Drs. Aram Gutsuzian and Charles uh, W. McKinney Jr. for their phenomenal book recently published by our friends at the University Press of Kentucky entitled In Unseen Light, Black Struggles for Freedom in Memphis, Tennessee. Until next time, folks, I'm your host, Adam McNeil, doctoral student at the University of Delaware. Over and out.